And we're live in South Florida today. We are here for the Orange Bowl. And I tell you, I have never really felt more disconnected from the audience than I do right now. And I don't say that lightly because, like, the one thing you've heard me say before is every single day we repeat the same phrase. Well, we, we have done it on every show we've ever had. My anticipation is we will do it every show uh, until the end of time, at least as long as we do this show, hopefully to the end of my time, be doing this show. The thing we always say is, is that this is the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We take that really serious. In other words, this show does not exist to be a part of the media media echo chamber. It doesn't exist to be a promotional vehicle for Georgia football. Frankly, they've got their own platforms that they want to do that. This is a show platform for fans to engage on the topic of Georgia football. And so I have always taken fan opinion very seriously. That doesn't mean that I always 100% agree with everything that Georgia fans uh, agree with, that I think everything that Georgia fans think. You know, reasonable people are going to disagree from time to time. But if I'm going to be the show for Georgia Bulldogs fans, A, I need to know what Georgia fans are thinking, and B, I ought to take that opinion seriously and ought to use my platform that I've been lucky enough to, to have given to me, share that platform with fans so the, their voice and their opinion, the common opinion of the average fan, can be kind of heard there as well. So I do take that really seriously. And as I said before, I've never felt more of a disconnect between my own personal opinion and the opinion of many fans who, based on kind of the chatter that I was following yesterday as uh, I was on my way down here to South Florida to get ready to do the show here today, you know, the average Georgia fan, maybe the majority of Georgia fans, certainly a large number of the uh, Georgia fans who interact via the Internet, social media, things like that, they just don't seem to quite be all that excited about this game yet. And, and for me, I am having a hard time putting myself in their place and feeling the same way they do. And, yes, I realize that I've got some things going for me right now they don't have. If they were standing here in the sun, you know, wrapped with palm trees all around, they'd probably be pretty excited about that uh, as well. I realize that my location, as the old Kirby Smart phrase goes, to be where your feet are, my feet right now are just a couple of miles away from the stadium, right here in, the, in, in a gorgeous locale. So maybe it's a little easier for me to get excited about the game because I'm down here where all the fun is, is happening. So I, I certainly appreciate that, that if you're stuck at work or something like that, then you don't quite have the same opportunity to let the travel energize you here. You don't quite have that same opportunity. I, I totally appreciate that. But I get the impression that the actual feelings of Georgia fans, though, extend beyond that a little bit. I, th I think it's largely based on, on two things here. I want to address them both here for a moment. Thing number one is this. There are a lot of Georgia fans who just have not gotten over the fact that Georgia lost its last game. They lost to Alabama. And the, the lingering effects from that loss have made them not all that excited about the college football playoff. And it's created a situation where, and I'm going to talk to Mike Griffith more about this in just a little bit, it's created a situation where Georgia is clearly the other team in this game. The team that the national media is here to cover is Michigan. It's the Aiden Hutchinson stories on CBSSports.com or the discussions about Jim Harbaugh and, you know, what, what Harbaugh has done to kind of rejuvenate Michigan football. That if you pay attention to the national media here this week, the, the national media that's here, it's here to cover Michigan. Michigan hasn't been in the playoff in a long time. Uh, it's a gigantic fan base, you know, representing the Big Ten. There's a lot that Michigan has going for it that makes it an attractive topic for the national media. For the most part, the national media that's here is, is here to cover Michigan. And I think the fact that Georgia fans themselves are kind of like, ah, I'm not really quite so sure what to think of my team right now, probably impacts that talking point and that narrative there just a little bit. But let me just say this one thing related to Georgia and its most recent loss, and then we'll move on to the issue that probably really vexes Georgia fans more than anything else. 
Georgia lost to Alabama, and it didn't play very well when doing so. That's just a fact. We all, we all can admit that. The Georgia really got embarrassed and exposed uh, in a lot of ways against the Alabama Crimson Tide. But to think that that loss and that loss alone is enough to now make Georgia clearly inferior to Michigan. First of all, Georgia's still a big favorite in this game. We should point that out. But in terms of the mindset uh, of media and fan and, and, and things along those lines, to think that that loss somehow makes, makes Georgia inferior to Michigan, I mean, let's, let's face facts here for a moment. Michigan also lost a game there as well. Now, it was a few weeks ago, but it was against Michigan State. And listen, I love Mel Tucker. I'm, I'm a big fan of Tucker, and I love the whole Tuck coming vibe that he's created up there in East Lansing. And I hope he you know, goes on to win the Big Ten there someday. I'd, I'd love to see Georgia face him in a college football playoff at some point in time. But as of now, this is still Michigan State. And if Michigan State were on a neutral field against Georgia, Georgia would be at least a two, if not three, touchdown favorite against the Spartans. So the idea that what Georgia did against Alabama, the way it lost, is somehow more embarrassing than anything that's happened for Michigan thus far this year that's just simply factually untrue, that Michigan lost a game to Michigan State. And the fact that it happened a few weeks ago doesn't obscure the fact that, you know, this is a Georgia team. We've talked a lot this week about the need to get the swagger back, uh, about regaining that edge. There's a typical cockiness that exists when an SEC team plays a Big Ten team. And, yes, I know you don't want to overlook your opponent, and I get all of that. But Georgia finding a way to get some of that back, as I've been saying now a lot this week, to me, I think that would make some sense. To me – even for the fans here, to, to the extent that you can kind of put this vibe out into the universe, you know, leaning on the fact that, hey, Georgia's still Georgia, and this is still a Michigan team under the Big Ten that doesn't recruit anywhere near at the same caliber, uh, that, that doesn't do anywhere near, you know, what, what Georgia has been capable of and, and proven to be able to do over the course of these last few years. The two losses the teams have taken this year, I think, speak to that there a little bit. So, so if, if nothing else, then, then, then let me reframe the idea that Georgia lost its, its last game. What do you think Alabama would do to Michigan? I mean, let's, let's reframe that there a little bit and see if we can regain some of what we believed about Georgia before it played Alabama. However, that's not even the biggest issue, and we know what the biggest issue is. The biggest issue here is related to quarterback. And the quarterback topic has been hot now for a while, and it was hotter than ever yesterday because we got a chance in an extended press conference situation to hear from Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Monken. And it's funny, and I brought this up to Mike a few minutes ago uh, when I pre-recorded the interview with him, and we'll hear the whole thing with him in a moment, that you know, Munkin's been a pretty popular figure among UGA fans but yesterday he kind of got treated by like the same kind of like establishment guy that Kirby Smart is in the mind of some fans. Ah, oh, they got to, you know, it's almost like the conspiracy theorists. Ah, oh, they've gotten to Munkin too. You know, Munkin's now, he's part of the establishment. He's part of the, I, I don't know, he's a fed. Whatever, whatever, what do you, you want to say about him? Um, it sort of feel, felt like that the tide kind of turned on Munkin a little bit yesterday because Munkin didn't quite say what some Georgia fans would like for him to say or maybe didn't give as thorough an answer as they would have liked to have gotten, although I thought he was more thorough than not when it comes to the quarterback situation. So let's do this here for a moment. This is a longer clip than we normally play, but for those of you that missed the Munkin stuff, I want to give you a chance to hear it in full context. This is like three answers from Todd on why it's Stetson Bennett and not JT Daniels, why it has been that, why it's going to be that on Friday in the Orange Bowl. And then in the sunshine and with the fun and festivity all around us, I'm going to lay out a choice for Georgia fans to make. And I don't mean this sarcastically. I don't mean this flippantly. I'm not trying to be snarky. But I do think upon hearing Munkin yesterday, upon looking at what's still out in front uh, of Georgia, I think Georgia fans have a choice to make. So let me give you the full context of Todd Munkin on the Georgia quarterback situation yesterday, Stetson Bennett in particular, and then we'll continue the conversation after that live here from Miami 
around the Orange Bowl here on Dog Nation Daily. First, though, Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin. The reason Stetson Bennett plays is we think he gives us the best chance to win. Uh, without getting into too much detail, um, we think he gives us the best chance to win. Uh, and that's that's really the end of that question. JT is the starter in when the season starts. Uh, he, he plays well. When he gets hurt twice, Stetson then becomes basically at this point the permanent starter, even though JT apparently is, is healthy. I, I think the question a lot of fans have, a lot of people like me also have, is basically what changed. I mean, you guys did know what Stetson brought to the table, and you knew what JT brought to the table. So what, what did change to make Stetson the starter? Well, <clears throat> probably not a lot in terms of our confidence of both players. I think that's probably the best way to put it. You know, I think Stetson, at times, I'm talking about me, have probably undervalued his skill set. Um, you know, we've tried to to elevate guys that have talent <clears throat> on our roster, and we do that at every position. And some guys just combat, uh, combat that and fight and scratch and continue to play well and try to prove you wrong. And that's what Stetson Bennett did. And it wasn't really anything JT did. It was more along the lines of what Stetson did that we thought gave us the best chance to win. His ability, his mobility, <clears throat> his ability, those things in the run game and in the pass game when things break down, uh, we believe give us the best chance to win. It's really nothing that JT did. And it just happened where Stetson got an opportunity, took advantage of that opportunity. We continued to win. Um, it never really ended up flipping the other way. I can't say that because they're they're really talented players. Carson Beck's a talented player. Brock Vandergris a talented player. Sometimes opportunity leads to, you know, things that end up going in your direction. Is a I don't know if I said that exactly right, but it just it never went back the other way where JT got a chance to get in there, and uh, so it's just the way it is, you know. And and we believe that he gives us the best chance to win in, in a couple of those things of what I've said. In the Alabama game, you guys fell down by 21 points, and a lot of people wondered why you wouldn't put more of a pass first quarterback in. And Kirby said you didn't even talk about it. Can you address those two instances when there might have been an opportunity for another look at a quarterback? Sure. I mean, and, and I'm not surprised we're circling back to that, first of all, Mike. Uh, so it, the reality is, is that there's no question at any point and everywhere I've been where when a certain player, it doesn't matter quarterback or any position, doesn't play up to forget our standard, their own standard, the way they believe they should play, that we're always looking to play our best players. There's no question. And uh, there are times in games where any of our players don't play their best and we're disappointed in how they played, but the, the body of work that we felt like that Stetson had given us, um, I think allowed us to carry it over uh, to the next weeks. And <clears throat> the reality is, is that we don't know what's behind uh, the next decision. You know, we know what we make the decision based on what we see on a daily basis. And you're right. I mean, we do compete every week. I mean, it doesn't matter who's healthy at any position. They're always competing. The guys that are going to come up here next and talk to you guys, I mean, they understand that. I mean, no one's 
guaranteed week to week. We've had competition every week at running back, and they earn the reps and the, and the touches that they get. And it's the same at quarterback, and I get it. I've been around it. <clears throat> we have really good players at the quarterback position, and we do, and we're lucky to have the guys that we have. And Stetson Bennett is a hell of a football player, and so is JT Daniels, so is Carson Beck, and we think Brock Vandergriff is going to be a hell of a player. And it's a good problem to have. Um, and we're, we're disappointed when we don't score. We're disappointed when we turn the ball over. We're disappointed uh, when we don't have the production um, that we expect to have, starting with me in terms of calling it, structuring it, the week of practice, <clears throat> how we do it, because I'm in charge of all of it. So ultimately, it falls on me. And when Stetson Bennett takes the field, we feel like he gives us the best chance to win. So that's Todd Munkin on the subject of the quarterbacks. And in great detail, even went on later on that same interview uh, press conference to say that, you know, Bennett had played well enough this year that Georgia was a favorite against an Alabama team that had not been underdog more than five years. Obviously, that's small consolation to UGA fans because Georgia ultimately lost that game in, you know, pretty spectacular fashion. But nonetheless, Munkin gave a pretty strong defense of, of Stetson Bennett yesterday and talked about how even he as a coach had maybe underestimated what Bennett's abilities were and then repeatedly saying that they believe that Stetson Bennett gave them the best chance of winning. And it wasn't anything that JT Daniels had done wrong. According to Munkin's words, it was just the growing belief that Bennett was just the best overall option there. And listen, all of this leads to a choice for Georgia fans because there are a lot of Georgia fans that simply don't buy what Todd Munkin is selling there. They don't buy what Kirby Smart has been selling either. They are of the belief that somehow, some way, JT Daniels has to be the better quarterback, and somehow, some way, it's coaching error that's keeping him on the bench and Stetson Bennett in the game. This is too big of a topic to ignore. This is clearly the feeling of a lot of Georgia fans. It's not the feeling of all Georgia fans. I would say when you pull back off the Internet, pull back off social media a little bit, uh, I think the majority of Georgia fans are ready to support this team however it looks going into the game against Michigan. But I don't want to be you know, like Pollyanna-ish, pie in the sky, and, and not at least acknowledge that there's a lot of frustration among Georgia fans because – it's still confusing to them that the guy that was tabbed as the starter at the beginning of the year somehow became not the starter during the year, and it's little more than just a shrug of, well, we think this guy gives us the best chance to win. Some people just simply want more details than that. But as you know by now, and even if you, you know, are, are you know, very hardcore that Smart's making the wrong choice, Todd Munkin, who says he controls all of this, that he's making the wrong choice, the one thing I think we can all acknowledge now is, no matter how strongly you may believe it's the wrong choice, this is the choice they're making. This is the choice they have made. You don't get any indication the choice is about to be different than this. This is the choice that they are making. They're playing Stetson Bennett, barring injury, on Friday. And if Georgia wins that game, you have every reason to believe they'll play him again, uh, barring injury, going to the game uh, in the national championship, whoever it is that Georgia might be playing there in that situation. And I don't say this sarcastically. I don't say this you know, to troll you, to, to be snarky. I, I mean this. If you're a Georgia fan, you got to decide: Are you on board or not? You got to decide: Are you are you are you willing to go along on this ride? And some of you are like, "Well, if they play Stetson Bennett, they're not going to win." Well, if that be the case, then and, and once again, I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm trying to be as honest and genuine as I can be on this. If you already know the outcome, then you don't have to watch. Or even more so than this, and this is not the world's greatest advice because. <laughs> 
you know, different people have different means. But if you know for sure how the game's going to work out, go to BetUS.com and punch a ticket on this game or, or, or a ticket on Alabama in the national championship or whatever it is that, that you want to bet on. If you're so sure that you know what the outcome of the rest of the season is, then not only can you save yourself the time of watching, you can also make yourself some money by betting on that outcome. The fact of the matter is, is people actually aren't quite as certain as sometimes they let on like they are. It's simply an emotional hedge. And, you know, I don't say that to, to you know, mock anybody or anything like that. I have had to make peace with this as a fan. I've told you a lot during the season that my suspicion is, in comparison between JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett, that Daniels is probably the better of the two quarterbacks. That's been my suspicion, that if you played in Alabama, you heard me say this during the season, that, that you probably would be better off with JT playing quarterback instead of Stetson Bennett. You've heard me say that. But when that didn't happen, when Georgia made it pretty clear, go back to Brad Nessler in our show a few weeks ago, the Tennessee game, going into that game, Daniels, according to Nessler, thought he was going to play, and he didn't. That seemed to me kind of the last stand up. You know, at that moment, it was pretty obvious. They weren't playing Daniels anymore uh, unless injury forced them to or, or something along those lines. Even prior to the COVID thing that JT's dealt with this week, they just haven't been all that interested in making a move in that direction. They don't speak about it publicly. They don't gesture in that direction privately. They're just not doing it. I assume that Daniels is the better quarterback. Apparently behind closed doors, something has occurred to make Munkin and Smart no longer think that. And as a fan, i got a choice because one way or another i got to do this job. One way or another i got to come on here and talk about this. But as a fan, I also have to decide privately in my own mind, in my own life, what am I okay with? And I did just sort of make peace with this of – well, if this is what they want to do, it's their reputation that's on the line. It's their criticism. They're the ones that are going to face the brunt of the criticism if this goes horribly wrong. They clearly know more about this than I do. I'm speaking about not what you should do. I'm talking about what I did. As a fan, I just sort of made peace with it. I just sort of decided that as weird as this is, just because it's weird doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong. And that's just kind of what it is. So, you know what? I am excited to be here. I'm excited about the game on Friday. And, frankly, I'd be excited if JT was playing quarterback. I'm excited with Stetson Bennett playing quarterback. I just am kind of excited about the uh, whole thing. And, hopefully, given the way the four hours of football play out on Friday, the rest of you can get back on board and be excited again. And if you can't do that, I I totally understand. If you'd rather be a fan of JT Daniels than a fan of Georgia football, I totally get that. You have every right to make that choice if if, if that's the choice that you want to make. But it is your choice to make. You can't control Smart's actions. You can't control the outcome of a game. You just sort of have to decide right now, are you going to go along with the ride? And frankly, I hope you choose to. I hope you choose to be a part of this. Because really, around here, things are really pretty fun right now. And it's going to be pretty fun, I believe, on Friday night as well when Georgia gets that win. So I'm Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are live technically in Fort Lauderdale, but we'll call it South Florida in the Miami area for the Orange Bowl uh, here today. Uh, Next couple of days for us here before the game there on Friday. And glad to have you with us, whether it's podcast and all the platforms, radio at noon and Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, of course, all the video platforms as well, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. Just really happy to have you on board for all of those. And we'll talk more about this quarterback topic in a moment. When Mike Griffith joins us here, a uh, good chance to catch up with Mike. I pre-recorded this with him on kind of all the, the subjects related to what Munkin said yesterday, the feeling around UGA, the way in which it shakes off that lost Alabama and gets back to its winning ways here. So we'll do all of that with uh, Mike here in a uh, little bit. Also, for those of you watching on video, try not to notice the fact that um, you have slimmed down a little bit. I've lost some weight. 
I'd lost even more weight prior to Christmas, to be completely honest with you. But I'm still a bigger guy, and it's still very, very hot here in South Florida. So y'all try not to notice the uh, sweat pouring off my face as I do the show. It's also part of the reason why I'm kind of in sort of festive attire here today, because, frankly, there's a reason why people, when they come to locations like this, dress like this, because it's much more comfortable, it's cooler, it breathes a little better. So uh, hopefully I can kind of enjoy uh, all of that. Before I get ready to talk to Mike Griffith, let me also get ready to go around the doghouse here today, furnished by our friends at Rooms to Go. And, of course, I'm outside right now. When you're inside, you look around, and you want to see all that great-looking furniture from Rooms to Go. We can tell you coming up in a moment exactly how you can do some of that. But I also want to give you an update on Michigan here for a moment. So uh, Dax Hill, uh, very good safety for Michigan, uh, a guy that's a big-time playmaker for the Wolverines. Much the same way there had been some mystery kind of surrounding what's going on with JT Daniels and George Pickens. Now both those guys are obviously in Miami. They arrived a couple of days ago. There's also a little bit of mystery around Hill there, too. There were rumors that he was not with the team. I guess now there's some reports coming out that maybe he might be here now. I think I'm speaking to you. It's it's, it's about 1030 on on a Wednesday. Some Michigan players spoke this morning uh, just before we did the show. I didn't get a chance to hear what they said at the time. But the the fact is there are rumors that Hill could also be in kind of a COVID quarantine situation. But much the same way the CDC recommendation to shorten the quarantine period for ten day, from 10 days to 5 days may have benefited JT Daniels, may have benefited George Pickens. Could be the same thing with Hill there as well. Uh, this is one of those where the rumors seem to like suggest for a while that he wasn't here and wasn't going to play. To Now it seems to be a little bit more hopeful again. I wish I could give you something more specific than that. And as you're hearing this, maybe you've seen more of the Michigan players in the last few minutes. Or maybe for those of you that watch the show later on, listen to the podcast, obviously much later on. By then you may know more about Hill status than we do now. But there have obviously been some rumors around uh, South Florida that Hill wasn't here and might not play. That seems That stance seems to have softened just a bit, but we'll continue to follow that and kind of take you with that news wherever it might go. Around the doghouse, furnished today by Rooms to Go. And, of course, as I said before, I'm kind of outside. But when you're inside, you love that good-looking furniture from Rooms to Go. And you get the entire room. You get that single piece of furniture, whether it be bedroom, whether it be uh, you know dining room, children's bedrooms, living room. Of course, when I'm outside like this, I actually had my breakfast sitting outside this morning. That's how nice the weather is right now. That, uh, you know, not too hot, which sometimes it can be. Early in the morning wasn't too bad. Uh, obviously not too cold to sit out there and, you know, have a nice breakfast kind of, you know, around the hotel outside here today. That's the kind of thing that you love to do when you're in a place like this. And so many of you also want to take advantage of that outdoor living space in your own home there as well. Because around Georgia, we have nice weather like that from time to time, too. You want to be able to enjoy that. And with rooms to go, you can get that good-looking patio furniture there, too. So a lot of different things that you can do and, and, uh, and enjoy with rooms to go individual piece of furniture, whole room, accent piece, everything else. Just start your shopping experience online at roomstogo.com or stop by and see them in one of their showrooms. Rooms to Go presents Around the Doghouse to you here today. And, of course, it's great to have them as a part of the program. Now, on the topic of quarterbacks, before we're done on today's show, we're going to let you hear from Stetson Bennett yesterday on what the criticism he's faced has felt like, the way in which Georgia teammates are kind of rallying around Stetson. We'll do some of that before we're done. But for now, on the rest of the scene around Miami, Georgia and its preparations for the Orange Bowl, getting ready for those Michigan Wolverines, getting a chance to get a big win in the college football playoff and potentially punch a ticket for the national championship game. Let's talk more about how UGA can get that done. It's Mike Griffith today on Dog Nation Daily. 
And here on Dog Nation Daily, live from Fort Lauderdale in the uh, shadow of where the uh, Orange Bowl will be played on Friday, Brandon Adams, happy to be joined by Dog Nation's Mike Griffith here. And, Mike, I don't know if you're getting the same vibe I am, but it seems like there's a little bit of a weirdness around all of this. I mean, we're obviously in South Florida. It's a great time to be here. The weather's been weather's been gorgeous. You've been here longer than I've been. And Georgia's one of the four teams still alive and remaining in the college football playoff with a chance to win the national championship. That's all really good, and yet – with Todd Munkin speaking yesterday and the press conference that goes on there, the fact that Georgia's still kind of dealing with the after effects of a loss to Alabama and the national media is certainly asking plenty of questions about that. It doesn't seem like the mood around the team, at least on the outside looking in, who knows what it's like behind closed doors, but on the outside looking in is quite as festive as you would assume it would be when you're one of the four teams left in the college football playoff and playing in such a destination type location. Yeah, you're right, Brandon. It's kind of unique for a team that lost in its league championship game to make the four-team playoff for starters. I know Notre Dame did that last year and we weren't around that team, but then you add to it, I don't want to call it a controversy because I don't think it is a controversy. Kirby Smart and Todd Munkin make the call about who the quarterback is, but clearly the fan base has some questions about that, and teams usually don't get to this point in the season when there are questions like that about that position. Then you add to it the lack of transparency, the last-minute closure of practice, so we haven't really been able to take in and see the team outside of maybe the, the 20 seconds of highlights that they put out on social media. So I'm going to put my fan hat on for a minute, and what that leads me to believe is, and also from a gambling standpoint, I think you understand this as well, that with all the chatter about Michigan, and clearly Michigan's the team in this game, Georgia's kind of the other team right now. Michigan hasn't been in the playoff in a long time. It's a gigantic fan base. It's easy to understand why national media would want to cover Michigan. There's a lot going on there for the national media. They haven't gotten to write the Jim Harbaugh story in a long time. So Georgia's clearly the other team in this game for right now. And as a fan, what that leads me to believe, whether the quarterback situation is settled or not, is that Georgia actually comes into this game against Michigan on Friday a little undervalued. And when you look ahead to the rest of the college ball playoff, the potential of a national championship game, Georgia actually right now kind of stands in a little bit of an undervalued position. Now they got to go out and earn that on the field, of course, but this is a team right now that seems to have been given up on and forgotten about, maybe given up on by some fans, forgotten about by some media. And on Friday, I believe that Georgia has a chance to do something about that. Oh, they absolutely do. You know, and this is a strength-on-strength kind of matchup. I mean, if you were to draw up the type of team that you'd want to see Georgia play, this is it. I mean, Michigan likes power football. They're going to run into the teeth of that Georgia defense, and they're not going to apologize for it. And they're telling you right up front, they're coming to smash Georgia's front. And Georgia, Dan Lanning, say, we appreciate that. You know, there's a lot of that power football element going on. And yet, Brandon, I still think it comes down to the big plays. And when you look at big plays, whether you like what Georgia's doing at quarterback or not, you still got guys like Brock Bowers, like George Pickens, like James Cook. You know, Kendall Milton is back healthy. Uh, Kenny McIntosh has looked very explosive lately. So, Lad McConkey, you hope that he gets over that boot that he was wearing back in Athens. They've got more explosive athletes than Michigan. Georgia's A game beats Michigan's A game. Yeah, I think that's the uh, point I'd like to try to get to with this conversation as well, is that this is a Georgia team that, you know, averaged nearly 40 points per game this year that has recruiting class, elite class stacked on top of elite recruiting class, the kind of thing that Michigan can't really speak to right now. Yes, Michigan is 12-1. and Yes, they're the Big Ten champion. And yes, they've earned their right in the college football playoff. But what I've been saying on the show a lot this week, Mike, is from a Georgia standpoint, you know, I hope it regains a little bit of swagger here. I hope it does kind of take that SEC thing seriously. On the other side, in the other game, it seems like Alabama is quite content to sort of stay in the underdog role the way it was against uh, Georgia and maybe try to talk up Cincinnati out of fear that they may overlook the uh, Bearcats. I think the Georgia mindset here is going to be completely different. I do think you have to kind of conjure up the way that the typical SEC fan feels about the typical Big Ten 
team. Fair or not, the better athletes play on the SEC side. Go out there on Friday and show that. Be the side that makes the bigger plays. Be the side that makes the more dynamic plays on defense. You know, you know, get that swagger back leading into the game and on the field there as well. You obviously can't overlook the Wolverines, but kind of developing a little bit of a a return to some cockiness for Georgia, I actually think might do it some good. Yeah, I think so too. I think Georgia higher ceiling, lower floor, right? Because you're going to have 12, at least 12 Georgia players are going to be selected in the NFL draft. I mean, recently saw a mock draft with three Georgia guys in the first round. Now, Michigan, they have a couple guys. They got a couple of the defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson. He's projected number one. The other DN projected number 10. But they simply don't have the depth. I mean, B, we're talking about three first round picks. We're talking about eight guys that have been invited to the Senior Bowl. And we haven't even gotten to guys like Trayvon Walker and Lewis Seen that are going to go pro early. So, you know, Georgia has the talent, to your point. They should win this game. Everybody knows Georgia should win this game. But if they don't, and I think that's the fear, do they lay another egg like they did against Alabama? And I'm still trying to figure that one out, Brandon. I mean, that was just such a shock. In the time that we have left, I want to talk to you more about what Todd Munkin said, obviously on the quarterback situation, and kind of reignited all this yesterday. There are a lot of people who are very frustrated, and it's kind of funny. You know, Munkin has been a really popular figure with Georgia fans. They think he's kind of the guy that's helped usher in better offense play for the Bulldogs over the last two years. I believe that's been true. He does. He gets very little criticism for his play calling. Sometimes people aren't always happy with the results, but Munkin, for the most part, has been shielded from that criticism. I think Georgia fans, by and large, think he's been a really good OC, and yet when he echoed in his press conference on Tuesday, a lot of the same things that Kirby Smart had been saying throughout the year. All of a sudden, what I noticed on message boards and you know, social media and ways in which we interact here at Dog Nation, that that some of that popularity from Munkin seemed to disappear a little bit. And suddenly, Munkin is now part of the establishment, part of the problem, part of the reason why JT Daniels is staying on the bench. What did you make of what Munkin said in particular about quarterbacks yesterday? And then also just the reaction to it, because fans have obviously been very outspoken since uh, Munkin took the podium yesterday. Well, I mean, he told the company line, and that's what you're supposed to do. That was a mandatory press conference. Kirby doesn't let his coaches speak, and when they do speak, he has a one-voice mentality. You don't go against the head coach's call. I thought the tell was when Munkin said, we don't know what's behind the next decision. Well, you're the offensive coordinator, so that tells me you're not making that decision. It's the head coach's decision. Well, no, to be fair, though, Munkin did say all of it. I mean, he also said yesterday that all of this is his choice. I mean, you certainly can't take from the text that Munkin put forth yesterday that anything that's happening right now with the quarterback situation isn't exactly what he wants it to be. Yeah, well, actually, I can. He gets paid by Kirby, and he said that he personally underestimated uh, Stetson Bennett. You know, he took that upon himself when he said, you know, last summer. So he said, I underestimated him, i.e. Kirby didn't. And when Stetson talked, he spoke about coming back. He was thinking about leaving. And he came back because he was promised the chance to compete. Well, he got promised that chance to compete by Kirby Smart. At the end of the day, Kirby runs the football team. Now, maybe Stetson is Munkin's choice, B.A. I, I allow for that. But at the end of the day, Kirby's the one that's going to sign off on that. Todd gets paid to go up there, take responsibility, toe the company line. I thought he was fair to everyone. And it's also important to note, Stetson was in that room while he was talking. Stetson heard all those questions. And the last thing you want is your quarterback to lack any confidence or have any doubt. So if you're Todd Monk and you're darn right, you need to sit up there and say that you have a championship quarterback who's made championship plays because Stetson Bennett is six feet away listening to what you're saying. So, I mean, like the one thing, and we'll finish with this, uh, that, and it's almost like Shea Stadium here. We're right next to the Fort Lauderdale <laughs> Airport, so we got planes flying overhead. But, you know, based on there, all the things that Kirby Smart said throughout December, based on what Munkin said yesterday, COVID or not, I don't see any evidence that there's any quarterback change on the horizon. 
Yeah, I would agree with you, Brandon. I mean, I, we didn't see it, and I specifically, why we didn't see maybe some more competition after the Florida game, why we didn't see a quarterback change, you know, when they were down 21. I'm with Brandon. I don't see any change forthcoming. I wonder at this point if they would make a change. I mean, this is, you know, kind of where we're at. And I'll just, I'll just say it. I'm the elephant in the room guy, right? Would Kirby Smart make a decision at the risk that maybe JT blows up and then he looks bad for not playing him earlier? Boy, you would sure like to think, and everybody would certainly believe that a head coach would do whatever it took to win the ball game. But I think the questions of not putting JT in the SEC championship game have really raised the curiosity of the people. I think part of the reason why they keep Stetson Bennett in is because I don't think they ever get behind Michigan by that much. I, I think this is a game Georgia will win, should win, and if they fall behind, and I don't, I don't think it'll be by more than three or seven points, and I think Stetson Bennett is capable of beating Michigan. I don't think this is going to be a shootout, Brandon. I think this is going to be a power football game, field position, don't make mistakes, and I believe that Stetson Bennett, with his mobility, is equipped to beat the Michigan Wolverines. My good coverage here from Fort Lauderdale and Miami all week. So that's Mike Griffith. I had a chance to speak to him a little earlier today, and listen, I don't mind telling you this. If Mike was standing here, we would have this conversation um, even more, and we would have done it longer then, except Mike had somewhere he had to be. You know, Mike seems to be operating from the assumption that Daniels is clearly the better of the two quarterbacks and and everything that's happening after that, in Mike's view, is sort of based on the notion that the better quarterback's being kept on the bench. I don't think I'm putting words in Mike's mouth when I say that. Pretty much the things that he says and writes seems, seems to, to echo that, and I think a lot of you agree with Mike on that. I told you a little earlier, if you've been with us for the full show, that at one point in time, I also suspected that JT was the better of the two quarterbacks, but... Now I'm, I'm just not quite so sure about that anymore, or I should say it this way, I'm just not quite so sure now that Daniels is the quarterback I thought he once was, given the way this situation is being handled right now. In other words, I don't have any reason to assume the worst of Kirby Smart. I don't have any reason to assume the worst of Todd Monken, that somehow they're intellectually deficient, that they can't tell which quarterback is better, or that they're somehow driven by something other than the incentive to play the better player, making the, the choices that they're making. I don't have any reason to assume the worst of either Smart or Munkin that, that um, if we assume that they are logical people who are making the decision they believe is in their best interest, something has occurred that's caused them to, to, to choose Bennett over Daniels, that I don't operate with the preconceived notion, as I believe that Mike probably does, I don't operate from the preconceived notion that Daniels is clearly the better of these two quarterbacks. And Mike and I have talked about this before. We'll talk about this plenty, and we would have talked about it more then had time allowed. But but there is, I think, a little bit of a difference in the way that he perceives this situation in comparison to the way that I do. As far as our show, Dog Nation Daily, live here from Fort Lauderdale in the shadow of the Orange Bowl Stadium, now Hard Rock Stadium, I guess, just a few miles away. Dog Nation Daily rolls on. We'll hear from Stetson Bennett on this topic here coming up in a little bit. I also want to get a couple of uh, quotes here from Kirby Smart, who is speaking in kind of an Orange Bowl press conference type situation as we're doing this show live. We'll get a chance to, to hear this in the Dog Nation video channels a little bit later on today. Um, first of all, on the I guess early reporting from this week, I believe Mike had this, that Georgia might be dealing with some COVID issues. Uh, so uh, this is what Kirby said about this, uh, that Georgia had a, quote, a little bout with COVID in the last few weeks, added, we lost some guys and got most of them back. 
The biggest thing is getting back to full strength when it matters most, and that's what we're shooting for. So a little bit of a cryptic answer there, certainly acknowledging that I guess the program has dealt with some absences. We know of JT Daniels, and uh, obviously George Pickens is kind of a part of that story too. They both arrived later than the rest of the team a little earlier, earlier this week, but Smart kind of acknowledging that it's hit other aspects of the team, and now they're working to get back to uh, full strength for Friday. And, of course, uh, practices have been closed this week. We haven't been able to see any of what's been going on there. All of the press conference stuff taking place via Zoom. It's been uh, difficult to ascertain exactly who is and isn't here, but certainly the overwhelming majority of the Georgia players are here. The perception that I get is the overwhelming majority of them are healthy and ready to play. But as far as every individual name that, that fans are expecting to see there, it may be Friday before we know that for sure. Obviously, a lot of roll call being taken on that field for some of those pregame warm-ups. Uh, also on the subject of JT Daniels and Stetson Bennett, we heard from Todd Munkin early in the show addressing the fact that Bennett is the starter. What would it take to get JT Daniels to play on Friday? This is what Smart said about this a moment ago. I'm going to read this to you. That the JT Daniels situation will be a matter of, is the situation right, Smart says, and also, is he healthy enough? Now, that's kind of one of those phrases that sort of dangles in the air there a little bit. Obviously, we know that Daniels has dealt with injuries throughout the season. My assumption on this, and obviously when you make assumptions about Smart when it comes to quarterbacks, you have the tendency to assume wrong. But when Smart says, is he healthy enough related to Daniels, my assumption on that uh, is that he might be referring to the COVID situation that Daniels reportedly dealt with that kept him away from the team for a while. We know that uh, Daniels, I guess, tested positive for COVID. Uh, according to UGA policy, he would certainly believe that he would not have been tested unless he was symptomatic. In other words, it sounds like Daniels may truly have been a little bit sick last week. So when, when Smart says, is he healthy enough to play, that's what I assume that he's talking about. I assume that he's talking about the COVID situation that Daniels has reportedly dealt with. I don't assume this is because of injury, but who really knows? Uh, obviously, this is a never-ending mystery, and I guess those words from Smart will kind of add to that mystery there just a little bit. Uh, more on quarterbacks coming up. We'll hear from Stetson Bennett and the way in which Georgia players are trying to rally around Bennett. We'll do all that coming up here live from Fort Lauderdale, uh, getting ready for the Orange Bowl. we at the headquarters hotel here of the Orange Bowl, getting ready for the excitement coming up on Friday. And, of course, with that, we'll kind of roll into our SEC through here and remind you that we're cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, and you have your chance to cruise around with Dog Nation coming up in April. And I've heard from so many of you, you're going to plan on being on board and being a part of all this with us, and I cannot wait to be able to do all of that with you. It's going to be an incredible time leaving in April. Now, we're actually in a big Royal Caribbean hub right here in Fort Lauderdale. Port Everglades is just right down the road from here, so some of the gorgeous Royal Caribbean ships are really housed here, and they leave from here all the time. I may go over and see the port before, we, before we're all done here this week. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we're going to be going out of Port Canaveral, which is a much easier drive uh, to get to from Georgia. Obviously, it's just right there, you know, uh, just a, really a few hours away from where I'm located in Atlanta. Very convenient port to get to. Leaving, uh, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day, Coco Cay. That's the private island that's right there in the Bahamas, uh, exclusive for those that are on Royal Caribbean cruise ships. And so when you're on the Independence of the Seas with us, you get a chance to visit all of those locations. And not only will you be taking a cruise on Royal Caribbean, you're going to be taking a Dog Nation-themed cruise. That means there's going to be special Dog Nation events. It's going to be an incredible time. The shirt that I'm wearing right now, for those of you watching on video, will probably come out there for the cruise there, too. So we're going to have a great time with all of that and get ready to see you on board in April for our Dog Nation cruise. If you go to dognation.com, right at the top of the page, there's a link that gets you into 
the, um, the, our friends at the Cruise and Vacation Authority. So you click in there with the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They will help you get your travel booked. They're the only ones we would trust for a, for a trip this big. We're taking hundreds of Georgia fans along with us, and we want an organization that knows Royal Caribbean well, an organization that's got UGA folks there at the helm, and a couple uh, UGA grads run the Cruise and Vacation Authority. They also know the Royal Caribbean experience so well. They can handle all of our travel needs. We trust the Cruise and Vacation Authority. And when you click through at dognation.com, they're going to help you get signed up for all of this. So dognation.com for more on the big Dog Nation cruise setting sail in April from Port Canaveral, going to Nassau, going to Perfect Day Coco Cay with Dog Nation on Independence of the Seas. And can't wait to have you on board for all of that. So it's been a pretty rough start to the SEC and bowl games. A couple of embarrassing losses yesterday. Auburn at the hands of Houston. Of course, we showed you the Birmingham Bowl trophy before, the the <laughs> the, the very odd trophy that that is. Uh, Dana Holgerson in Houston takes that home. Maybe, maybe Auburn not having to put that trophy in their trophy case makes them the real winners. But for now, they were losers on the field yesterday to Houston. Uh, Mississippi State kind of got embarrassed a little bit by Texas Tech. This is not the first time that Mike Leach has had a team not show up for a bowl game. His, his record in bowls, frankly, is uh, – Sometimes, I mean, the overall number's not so bad, but he's been blown out a couple of times, including last night. And you add to that the uh, Florida loss to uh, UCF, the, the, the Missouri loss to Army, and all of a sudden it's an 0-4 start for the SEC in bowl games. And this is one of those things, kinda, kinda, as an SEC fan, you can't really have this both ways. On the one hand, admittedly, I do like to see the SEC perform well during this time of year. I like to see this league show up when it's bowl games. I'm just a little bit of an SEC homer at at heart, so I kind of like that. But on the other hand, I certainly am not going to root for Auburn to win a game. And uh, I was like a lot of y'all over the Christmas break when UCF was beating up on Florida both literally and physically and and, uh, figuratively. Uh, when they were dragging them all over the field there in Tampa, I was loving that. So if I'm going to be happy when a Florida and Auburn lose, at the same time, you know, that's going to hurt the SEC's bowl record. So at this point in time, I'm a little bit more worried about one bowl game right now. I'm worried about the Orange Bowl in Miami. I'm not that worried about what's happening with Auburn or what's happening with Florida or, you know, uh, against, you know, Missouri lost to Army. Think I'm cheering for Missouri against the troops? Of course I'm not doing that. So I'm happy that Army beat Missouri. I'm happy that Florida lost because I always cheer for them to lose. I'm happy that uh, that Auburn lost because it's fun to root against them there as well. The other game, well, what was that? Uh, Mississippi State, Texas Tech. I didn't even watch that, so uh, I don't really have much of a feeling about that either way. But you know, I am a little bit of an SEC homer. I, I do like when the SEC wins its bowl games, uh, but as of now. In the 0-4 start the league has, I really probably found myself rooting for the other side in at least three of those bowl games as it was. So I guess you can kind of do with that uh, what you will. I want you to hear from Stetson Bennett here in a moment. Before that, let me also remind you about our friends at Marco's Pizza. Of course, great time to order yourself some pizza. If you can't be where I am in Miami getting ready for the big game on Friday, you can get yourself together with a bunch of your friends and have a big party at home tailgate pregame watching during the game marco's pizza goes great with all that it's authentic old world flavor perfectly baked golden brown in the crust each and every time three cheeses melted blended on top uh, authentic flavor in those toppings you love marco's pizza i do there as well not only because it tastes great but also because it comes at a great price how about a large one topping pizza right now for just 9.99 that's great savings get that online marcos.com or on the marcos app pizza lovers get it so, as I've said before, we're live here in Miami. We're doing uh, our pregame preparations on Dog Nation Daily for the Orange Bowl on Friday. And today, 
a lot of that's been related to the quarterback topic. And I told you off the very top of the program, for those of you who are able to be with us from the beginning today, that I, I do feel a certain level of disconnect right now from the average fan who still seems to be pretty bothered by the loss to Alabama and more than a few of you frustrated about what's going on at quarterback right now. And listen, I get it on both fronts. I mean, obviously, I was greatly pained by that loss to the Crimson Tide, but I've kind of moved on from that now. And I certainly understand the frustrations. Even if we're in disagreement about which quarterback's the right quarterback to play for Georgia, I think the one thing we can all agree on is a national championship-level program should have better quarterback play than what Georgia got against Alabama. I'm totally willing to acknowledge that, even if I'm not quite so willing to acknowledge that the wrong guy is playing, the right guy is being held prisoner on the bench. I'm at least willing to acknowledge that, that Georgia needs better play in big games than what it got from its quarterback spot against Alabama. Totally willing to admit that and acknowledge that. But I'm also hopeful, maybe even expectant, that better play will come against Michigan on Friday. That just makes me different than some of y'all. And if you're not quite there yet, you have every right to view this game however you want to. You have every right, as I mentioned a moment ago, not to even view it at all if you're just so bothered by it. But for me, I'm able to kind of move on. I'm able to kind of turn the page. I'm able to kind of be optimistic about what might happen this week. I still believe that Georgia's going to win the national championship. But for other folks, they've had plenty of reason to criticize. Those criticisms have lingered. And yesterday, Stetson Bennett was asked how much he notices this, how much, how much he feels that all around him. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to let you hear Bennett on this. That's about a minute. Then I'm going to let you hear, and I kind of I, I narrated this a little bit. We don't do a lot of montages on this show, but sometimes we're on the road. It's just kind of easier to, to share information this way. It's Bennett, it's Kiaris Jackson, and it's James Cook, all on the subject of how Bennett views himself, how his teammates view him right now. Important context in light of everything being said around Georgia right now. So live here from South Florida, let's let you hear from some of these Georgia offensive guys going back to yesterday. If you listen to them when they're telling you how good they are, then you're going to listen to them whenever they tell you how bad you are. And I don't really care what anybody else says. My job is to go out every single day, uh, build chemistry with these guys, watch film enough to be prepared for when the game comes. And uh, that's the only thing I'm worried about. There, you, you can't put any value on people who really have no clue what they're talking about talking. Um, I wouldn't listen to myself if I was given a speech on heart surgery. Um, not comparing football to heart surgery, but it's the same kind of gist. Um, so why would I listen to somebody who doesn't do this for a living and just watches it happen? It just, it really doesn't bother me. Um, it's a bit frustrating sometimes, I guess. Um, but like I said, I don't, I don't have social media. I don't, you know, so I don't wallow in it. I don't sit in it. I don't. Um, think about it. All I'm thinking about is beating Michigan um, and being the best quarterback I can be for my teammates. And Georgia running back James Cook says, despite any of the outside noise, the team still has plenty of confidence in Bennett. I mean, he's been doing what he's doing all, all year. So, I mean, it ain't nothing new or the stage ain't too big for what he got to just do extra. I mean, just, just continue to do him and, and, and play football and, and put him in the right situations for us to win. And Cook's teammate, wide receiver Karis Jackson, said in moments like these, the team needs to rally around Bennett. We just send it around him pretty much and just, no, no, he's not in this. And Lando, he was receiving a lot of 
a lot of bad talk about him. And like he said in the interview before, like he don't look at that type of stuff. We don't either. But at the same time, we just got to know that we all are here for each other. And ever since that loss, not only him, but the whole team has just took a step forward, just trying to get better. You know, like you win some, you lose some, but you live to fight another day. So it's like, yeah, we lost that game, but now we have another opportunity on a bigger stage to go do what we want to do. And just so interesting stuff from both Karis Jackson, James Cook, and the man of the hour, Stetson Bennett himself. And listen, as Bennett described, you know, being able to block that kind of stuff, that's part of doing the job. That while I'm sure it's unpleasant to, to sometimes hear the things that Bennett, you know, uh, has maybe heard about himself. In fact, this is a free country. People are going to say what they're going to say. And if you want to do the big job on the big stage, you have to be willing to tolerate that criticism. You're watching the Tom Brady docu-series right now, I believe it's on ESPN+. Plus. It's called Man in the Arena. That phrase obviously taken from the famous Teddy Roosevelt quote that, you know, it's not the, the critic who counts, right? And Mark Richt was was uh, pretty well known for using that type of thing there too. And, you know, sometimes people have a way of, you know, feeling disregarded when they hear a, a person in power, a person of some fame, you know, you know, using that. But clearly, it matters to Brady. He uses it as the title for his for his docu series. It mattered to Mark Richt on the idea that for those in the arena participating in the activity, you know, it's it's foolish to worry about critics. Um, and I think that Stetson Bennett, whether he knows that quote or or or, or, or has any idea about that, being aware of that mindset, I think is. Is, is probably pretty appropriate uh, for him there as well. He kind of understands that. And seemingly these, these Georgia players, you know, Garris Jackson, James Cook, still very much, it sounds like, believers in him and, you know, hoping to rally around him as their leader going into this game there on Friday. So a little bit of that conversation and a, a little bit of that chatter. And that's obviously not going, going away anytime soon. You know, I'll go back to what Kirk Herbstreit said in audio we played for you in yesterday's show. But the only way to quiet this down, the only way to shut this up is – to go out there and win the game on Friday. Totally get that. That's what it's going to take to quiet all this down. And I believe that's what George is going to do. So I guess the one piece of advice I would give to all of you is, is don't say anything now that you can't take back later. You know, don't put yourself out there so much. Don't back yourself into a corner so much that when Georgia comes out and plays well on Friday, when Stetson Bennett helps lead the way to that victory, that all of a sudden you have too much backtracking to do too much of a mess to clean up. You don't want to be in like the politician's position of having to walk back some comments where you kind of got out in front of your skis there a little bit because some of us have long memories. Some of us keep receipts. So be really, really careful what, what you do say. Uh, it, it's fine to believe that George would be better off with the other guy. It's fine to be frustrated about everything that's going on. But as I said off the top of the program, recognize the choice you have to make. Are you on board or not? And if you were very vocal about not being on board now, then some folks may remember what you said when uh, the tide turns again on Friday. So just keep that in mind. Uh, Also keep this in mind. As we roll through the rest of the week, we'll have Go With The Flow coming back. We'll make our official picks for the games here this week. And we'll do our our BetUS Best Bets tomorrow, my official picks for all of the playoff games, the other bowl games that are still left. So so we'll do that with you throughout the rest of the week. And for yourself, I meant, th- I meant this a moment ago, for some of you who, who know absolutely how these playoffs are going to play out, how the game Friday is going to play out, how the national championship is going to be decided, BetUS.com, promo code DN125. I don't, I don't say this sarcastically. I mean this in all seriousness. Some of you know a lot about college football. You ought to put your money where your mouth is. Get yourself a bet down on these games, whether it be the game Friday here or all the other games are kind of rolling on. Over the course of the next few days, get all of that uh, going there at BetUS.com. Uh, and you're going to get 125% sign-up bonus 
when you open your account. That means literally BetUS is going to put more money in your account than you put in there to start off with. In simple language, if you put 100 bucks in there, they're going to give you 125 That means you start with $225, literally more money from BetUS than you put in there yourself. But you've got to use the promo code DN125 to take advantage of that. That's DN125 to uh, take advantage of that 125% sign-up bonus from our friends at BetUS. All right, few uh, golden shoes to give out here today, and we're going to do this in kind of a fun way. Let me give the first one here. I thought this was really good. Our buddy T-Rock. So this is a little bit of a personal thing for me because I have heard, I, in the, I live in the Atlanta area. Atlanta is a big hub for a lot of universities, Ohio State included. So I have run into a lot of Ohio State fans over the course of the last few days, and they've all said the same thing. Hey, B.A., we're rooting for you on Friday. You know, you don't see Ohio State fans, Georgia fans aligned together very much. But on Friday, apparently that's the case. And our buddy T-Rock apparently also knows some fans uh, of Ohio State who are choosing or cheering for Georgia. And so you'll see this graphic on your screen. He made this logo that says, Today I'm a Dog. And so it's the Ohio State uh, Rose Bowl logo inside of the O for today. I'm with the M uh, marked out. And the dog obviously has the uh, G there at the end. Uh, good stuff there from T-Rock. Very much golden shoe uh, worthy for today. Also, uh, the Bulldog Outsider checking in from the uh, Mojave Desert in California, finding himself some uh, long drink right there on the shelves. The finished long drink out there in California near the Mojave Desert. That looks good, and hope you enjoyed some. It's, I'll tell you this, I could use one of those long drink traditionals right now in the blue can with some, uh, with some uh, uh, gin kick and some grapefruit flavor. I feel like if you're at the beach, it's not too early. What is it, about 1054? It's not too early for a long drink right now, right? Uh, I'm at the beach. Uh, it's not kind of the rule when you're at the beach. So uh, I could do that right now, 1054 in the morning. I wouldn't mind that at all. And good to see the Bulldog outsider enjoying that. We'll give him a uh, golden shoe there as well. And, of course, uh, also our buddy uh, uh, Georgia on tap checks in to, to, as well to ask me if this is a coincidence. That Land of the 80s, which was one of those you know accounts a lot of people follow, tweeted yesterday that on this day in 1985, the Miami Vice – soundtrack was the number one album in america first of all kind of amazing that a tv show soundtrack was the number one album but that's kind of how it was going back in 1985 and i don't think that's a coincidence uh now a couple of things about this first of all dog on tap you should know that i've gotten a lot of grief from people the last couple of days because yesterday we kind of had some fun with the whole like don johnson philip michael thomas thing uh and I did not know this. Maybe I should have. I, I feel like I'm fairly well-versed in pop culture. I just was not aware that Don Johnson's a Florida guy. Uh, I was so disappointed to hear that because Don Johnson's kind of a cool dude. Uh, I like Don Johnson. I like Sonny Crockett. Uh, I'd go white linen jacket right now with the sleeves rolled up if I could. Uh, so to find out he was a Gator yesterday, i got to tell you, that's pretty disappointing. So a lot of folks shared that with me on Twitter. I even got some mocking tweets from Florida fans about the fact that I didn't know that. So, yeah, come to find out Don Johnson is a Gator. Pretty disappointing news all the way around. But uh, nonetheless, we were driving in yesterday. I made my poor family uh, endure the – I was playing in the air tonight, and I was playing the Jan Hammer uh, theme song. I was playing all that stuff from that album, by the way. I was playing all that stuff as we're driving in today like I was, you know – uh, Don Johnson rolling down the road, one of those uh, Ferrari spiders or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I was – I don't take that to be a coincidence at all, and I'm glad Dog on Tap shared that with us that, um, that indeed, uh, 20 – however many years ago, 30 years ago, whatever it was, Miami Vice, the album was – 25 years ago, I guess, the number one album in America. And so fitting that we're in Miami right now and fitting that I'm going to try to keep my uh, 
my Miami Vice style cool going while I'm down here there as well. By the way, I mentioned the finished long drink a moment ago. You can check out some finished long drink yourself, whether you want to try some traditional, as I was talking about, the long drink cranberry, which is, as it would suggest, cranberry flavored. Long drink strong, 8.5% alcohol by volume. Long drink zero, zero carbs, zero sugar. You can find some online, thelongdrink.com. As our friend told us a moment ago, in the Mojave Desert of California, all around the state of Georgia, as I'm now, com I'm completely covered in, uh, let me see if I can move this way and get in the sun a little bit. Um, uh, wherever you are, you can get some finished long drink, but if you'll just go to longdrink.com, put your zip code in, they can tell you where you can pick some up. You can do that today. All right, we're going to sign off here from Miami. We'll have more coverage throughout the week on video, including back here tomorrow morning, uh, 9.45 for our first and 15, 10 a.m. for Dog Nation Daily after that. Uh, Gator Hater Countdown, because even when we're down here in South Florida, we're still thinking about North Florida, the first coast of Jacksonville, 304 days from right now. Georgia goes back there. I may still be tan uh, from all of this fun in the sun. Beating up on those lousy, stinking gators, giving Billy Napier his first L in this series. I guess some of you are going to have to start spelling the Billy with the L's, the way they also spell the Mullen with the L's. We'll give Billy one here coming up uh, in October. That's our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll see you tomorrow back here on Dog Nation Daily.